Welcome to Wide Awake. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ, new to the faith, or someone who may be skeptical about the claims of Christ, we hope these next few minutes will build you up, encourage you, and help you wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. I'm Chase Iflin, the host for Wide Awake Today, and joining me in the studio is Jeff Lawrence, lead pastor of Redemption Church, and Chris Clark, worship pastor of Redemption Church. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Yes, indeed. I had lots of stuffing. Good time. Good time with family, lots of food. <laughs> Do you remember that? I, yeah. The stuffing was my favorite I dish. did. It Come registered on. a little late. For you guys were like staring at me like <laughs> with blank there stares. Spots there, your spots there totally threw me off. I was like, wait, what, what just happened that I missed? I don't yeah. even know what it was. It was your face, Chris. You're well, you gave me such a hard about time about liking stuffing. and Yeah, sorry. Uh, you're full of it, man. <laughs> Jeff, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, we had a good one. Good time with family. Good time. Uh, good food. Good time with kids back in town. Still missing Luke uh, away yeah. at college, but uh, good time with all of us. And Did got, you get got your to, nap in? Got to FaceTime with Luke. Uh, I don't think I got a nap, actually. It was busy. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of busy stuff, but it was a good time. Well, let's jump in. Uh, one of the hard things about a life of faith that we all experience is that this tension between living in the moment of our real, everyday, busy lives, but also remembering that there's a heaven and an eternity beyond the everyday, earthy lives that we all live. And as Christians, we, we want to live in that tension with an eternity in mind. We know there's eternity with God waiting for us, but we still have to live the everyday, real busy life, and oftentimes there's a disconnect uh, between the two, but we want to wrestle with and live in that tension. And our story in Acts on Sunday was a great story that kind of brings some of that tension to light in Acts 7. Yeah, the story was an intense story, right, about uh, Stephen and his martyrdom. And uh, to unpack a little bit of where we were in Acts 7, uh, basically, the story goes that Stephen is going about his business of ministry. He's serving in the church. Uh, miracles are happening. The church is continuing to flourish. Uh, and then arises this group of people with some accusations against Stephen. And we're not quite sure what the initial accusations are, but they develop into strong accusations of him blaspheming against God, very similar to um, what Jesus was up against. And so they bring him before this council, and it just keeps ratcheting up. And eventually, this council is so upset with what Stephen is saying about God and how he's unpacking who Jesus was in the history of, of really the, the entire Bible, they turn to stone him. And so, in the midst of this persecution that Stephen's experiencing, we see Acts 7.56 say this, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This profound scene of... Uh, the heavens being opened and and Stephen seeing Jesus there. And um, let's get into that a little bit and talk about what's really going on there. Yeah, what's so cool about this story is that so often in the Bible, we see imagery of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. But in this verse, Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. So, Jeff, you didn't get to preach this passage, so I'm sure you've got a lot to say. Uh, what's <laughs> going on there with Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father instead of sitting? Well, I, I want us to get to that, but I don't want to run past the reality of this moment that Stephen's about to die. He's about to be stoned to death, and this happens right on right on the cusp of his martyrdom. And so it's just, it's a heavy moment 
but there's something incredibly powerful that we see. And, and I do want us to break down that statement and just kind of take it phrase by phrase because that it packs so much theological punch that I think is worth jumping into. And um, Chris, if you want to jump in and just kind of start walking through some of that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so two phrases right out the gate. We see, behold, I see the heavens opened. And then a phrase right after that, the son of man. And so if we look at those two phrases, a, a couple of things just to consider. Behold, I see the heavens opened up. This is not something that Stephen did in his own power or his own strength. This is a miracle. This is a revelation to Stephen that God is choosing to reveal himself in this way. And I think that's key and it's very powerful, right? Um, and, and what we see here is a picture of God's glory. And what we didn't get to talk about on Sunday was all these places that Stephen references that point to the glory of God, the story of Abraham, the story of Moses, uh, the story of them wandering through the desert and, and trying to figure out how to worship God and his glory and all of this. And what we're seeing here is this picture of God's glory opened up. And then you also see this term, the son of man. And uh, this is actually one of Jesus's favorite titles for himself. Um, and Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. And this has to do with judgment and power. We see this in Daniel chapter seven uh, prophesied about Jesus. And I'll just read this. Um, Daniel chapter seven, 13 and 14 says, I saw in night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all people's nations' tongues should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so this term son of man is all about kingship. It's all about God's dominion and his reign and his rule over man and over all of creation. And so when you think about where Stephen is in this moment, and he's in the midst of this trial, there's all these accusations, there's all this drama that's that's being thrown at him, and, and all of a sudden the heavens open up, and God gives him a glimpse, and he says, uh, I want you to see the, the Son of Man, this one who, 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 who died but then resurrected and ascended to heaven, and it says he's seated, we see over and over in the, in the New Testament that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And so this portal opens up and Jesus is there and he's at the right hand of the Father. And sometimes we, I think, don't know in our culture what to do with that idea of the right hand of God, but it really comes from Psalm, psalm 110, which the New, Test, New Testament makes clear is a messianic psalm or a psalm that points to Jesus as the Messiah and, and really prophesies to that. And Psalm 110 says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Hmm. So connecting that idea of the kingship and that you see in the kingdom and the dominion of the Son of Man, it all has ultimately to do with God's judgment and his power and his ability to eradicate evil from the earth. And so the, the idea is that Jesus is at the, the place of God's power and ultimately his ability to vanquish all evil. And, and so that's a dramatic uh, concept for us to understand, and uh, it's very different from our world. But to understand what's happening in this scene, we really need to understand the biblical history of that. But it also points to what Jesus said. And so, this trial scene that Stephen's in looks so much like exactly the trial that Jesus underwent. Yeah. And in fact, the accusations they make 
to Stephen are the same ones they accused Jesus of, and it's almost a replicated scene. Luke 22 talks about this, and it says, The assembly of the elders and the people gathered together, both the chief priests and the scribes, and they led Jesus away to their council. And they said, If you are the Christ, meaning if you're the Messiah that will deliver, then you tell us. And Jesus said to them, If I tell you, you won't believe. And if I ask you, you won't answer. But from now on, Jesus says, The Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So this was just before Jesus died as he's being drug, dragged off to a trial. And he says, from now on, meaning after my death, I will be seated at the right hand of the power of God, meaning this is, this is about to happen and unfold. And so much of that scene looks exactly like what Stephen experienced, where he's being falsely accused, he's drugged before the council, the religious leaders are attacking him, and, and the same sorts of accusations that Jesus incurred, now Stephen's incurred. And it's fascinating that it's in that moment that Jesus said, I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. And Stephen looks up and this portal into heaven is opened up by, by God and he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father. It's an incredibly powerful moment. Hmm. It's such a powerful scene and it, it leads to Stephen having incredible boldness in the midst of persecution and ultimately becoming the first martyr in church history, but but doing so with boldness and faith that that wasn't the end, that he would see Jesus again. And so most of us aren't going to face actual trial or persecution or martyrdom like Stephen, but we do all face trials in our everyday lives. And we all live with this tension of Jesus reigning at the right hand of the Father, Jesus ruling in our lives, but also just living the daily life and not always experiencing that all the time. And so that leads us to questions like, how how do we trust Jesus like Stephen did? How do we trust Jesus in the work of the Spirit to direct our everyday lives? And do we do we really believe that Jesus has our back and our struggles? And what what do we do with it when it feels like God really isn't there, that He's not standing and, and ruling and reigning and, um, and helping in our daily lives? How, how do we move past that disconnect and live in this tension like Stephen did? Chase, I appreciate you asking those questions and kind of steering us in that direction. I think it is it is difficult for us in the midst of the everyday stuff to sort of keep an eye on heaven and an eye on earth. And we get so fixated on the stuff that is going on around us that it is hard to remember that God has our back, that Jesus has made a way for us to, to live eternally, and that we that, that we live with the end in mind. And sometimes we throw out these phrases like living with the end in mind because uh, they're meant to push us into remembering kind of where we're headed, like what what's what's in the future. And uh, Chris, I'm just curious to see how what that struggle feels like for you. I know uh, one of the phrases we talk about sometimes out of the Gospels is a story where a guy says, I believe, you know, help my unbelief. Yeah. And there's this this struggle to, it's like, man, I know it on one hand, but there's another side that I still know there's a lot for me to learn. You know, as you're talking about that, the image that pops in my head is, that, is a scale, like the old school scales that you pile up something on one side and, and you know, try to equal the weight on the other side. And I'm thinking about all of the stuff that hits us in today's culture and all of the things that contribute to our worry and our wonder if God's really there and the loudness of the world in which we live in that isn't truth. Mm-hmm. 
is like weighed up on one side of the scale. And it makes me think like, what am I piling up on that other side of the scale? And would it even come close to balancing that out? And for me, practically, that's like, how much am I actually thinking about heaven? How much am I actually thinking about the truths of God and reading it and meditating on it and spending time with it and getting to know the God that this story is referencing. And a lot of times, if I'm honest, like that scale just doesn't match, right? And then I'm expecting something to be different. Yeah, Chris. And I, you know, when I think about Stephen, that in, in that moment, for him, the scale had to, in one regard, like if, if I'm looking at it and I'm putting myself in Stephen's shoes, the scale feels like it's all tipping the wrong way. Yeah, mm. you know, like I'd say everything so. seems like it, this. I mean, they're about to, they're about to pick up rocks and start hurling them at the dude, and he's going to drop to his knees and he's going to breathe his last. It feels like the scales flipped one way, but in reality, what Stephen experiences is that the scales were entirely in his favor, yeah. and that's what's amazing. And Chase, you referenced this earlier about Jesus standing, and I think it's a it's a seminal point of this passage. It really concludes this whole part of Acts, and it points everything to look at Jesus. And it's meant to catch our eye. And the way Luke writes this, uh, over and over in the Bible, it said that Jesus sits at the right hand. And all of a sudden in this scene, this portal into heaven opens up and Jesus is standing at the right hand. And we see the Trinity. So the whole Godhead is present in this verse. We see that when it opens up that he is full of the Spirit. It says he's full of the Holy Spirit. He looks and he sees the glory of God the Father, and he sees the Son of Man standing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together there. But Jesus standing really gives this whole scene this Christological focus. And so I want to just I want to just mention five ways that I think Jesus standing is significant for you and for me. And, and it, it's speaking of Stephen here, but I think it's also true uh, true of us that Jesus also sees us and stands. Um, at the right hand of the Father on behalf of all those who are His. Uh, I think the first thing it says is Jesus is saying, you have my attention. Hmm. You know, when you stand up at a sporting event, you stand up because you're fully aware of what's going on and it gives you your attention. Sometimes you get scolded if you don't, if you try to sit down at the game because it's like, oh man, you're not into this. <laughs> uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus is standing and saying, I stand at attention. You have my full attention. I think Jesus is saying when he stands that you have my honor. I think he's saying in some ways we, we see this in the New Testament where it says, well done, good and faithful servant, um, that, that, that we all live and, and long for that kind of testimony or validation or advocacy on the back end of life. And um, Jesus is standing because Stephen is giving up his whole life for Christ. Yeah. And so I think Jesus is standing to honor him and say, well done. I think he's also standing saying, I'm the, the right hand of God's judgment. And so as your advocate, I'm going to defend you and I will vindicate you. Um, and, and so I think he's standing there in sense of his advocacy for Stephen. I think he also saying, uh, you have my look about you, um, that, that you look like me. And when Jesus looks and sees what's happening to Stephen, uh, you know, Jesus was fully human and fully God. And so in the moment of his own suffering, in the moments of his own trial, in the moments of his own uh, rejection uh, by the people he created, in the moment that he was falsely accused and when he laid down his life, uh, he's hearing echoes of those. And the emotions that he felt in that moment, I think, are overwhelming as he's also looking at Stephen, knowing, knowing exactly what Stephen's feeling and going through. Mm-hmm. And he says, you look like me. Um, and Jesus, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna continue that when he says, "Father, forgive them," you know, for what they're about to do. He looks like Jesus, and over and over, that's what we see in Stephen. 
It's so powerful. Jeff, I, I, you know, I almost want to just take back everything I said about the scales, <laughs> but, but there's truth to that. Like I've, I, at times I'm a, I, I'm a list person. I'm a show me what to do person. I want to like, if there's a right way to go about something, I want to know about it so I can follow it. And I think some of that rule keeping side of me can tend to crowd out the amazing truth that that you just unpacked here is that Jesus is my advocate. And there's absolutely there's absolutely nothing I have to do to weigh out that scale. Like there there is an absolute free gift of grace in Jesus as my advocate. But I know that you, it's not all you know, it's it's not all that too. Like that we actually do have to work out our our faith and we actually do have to do things. And so uh, man, it's just powerful to to see Jesus standing in that light of being our advocate and our like. There's nothing we have to do. It's just Him saying, "Yes, I see you." And I think that you know that that would for me would be the last of the of the five ways that I think Jesus or what Jesus is communicating here is. I think He's also saying, "You have my welcome." Mm-hmm. You know that that I've gone to prepare a place for you, and I have made a way for you, and by my grace and through my victory. So ultimately it's through Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension that 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 Jesus was vindicated. And by Jesus standing in the heavens and acknowledging Stephen, I think he's saying, Man, my my house is open my forever home is open to you and, and you will be with me forever. And I, that is grace. Mm-hmm. And what that means is the scales always tip to our favor. Yeah. Uh, that there's there's nothing we have to do or earn, nothing we could do or earn. Stephen is um, is, is walking in this way, not in order to earn God's love, but because he already knows what Jesus has done for him. And that's what ultimately gives him confidence is, man, if Christ stands at the right hand of the Father and uh, and sees me and opens the, the doors of heaven to me and advocates for me and vindicates me, then I can I can rest in in his goodness. It's so good. And it, it just makes me hungry for that rest. Um, it makes me long to be able to just settle down. It's funny, we were talking about even before we hit record on the podcast, like different signs of us being tense in our lives. And we were like doing our vocal warmups and like trying to figure out if, you know, our our cheeks are loose or whatever. And I'm like, I'm tense over here. Like I can't like move my jaw. It's locked, you know, and, and I just want more of that rest in Jesus, like less of the, here's all the things I have to do and more of the just resting and that Jesus is who he says he is. It makes me long for that part of heaven. Yeah. Because if, if Jesus is ruling and reigning in heaven, if he's standing at the right hand of the father, if he, he is the king of all, and yet he cares about us, then we shouldn't have a locked jaw. We should be we should be <laughs> yeah. at peace and not anxious, and yet we live in that tension. Um, but man, if, if this is who Jesus is, and it, it means that He's worthy of our trust in every area of our lives, it, it changes everything from relationships to our job to our finances, and it it means that no matter how difficult the trials we face become, that those trials aren't the end because Jesus is victorious, and just like Stephen, we can have that same confidence that we will see Jesus face to face and be with Him one day. I will say as I'm as I'm processing like the day-to-day life and I'm in my middle years I'm I'm in my 40s I just crossed that bridge into my 40s and I feel like one of the questions that's driving me more and more um into you know my day-to-day is getting to know God before I get to heaven and I don't know why the the it just feels like the 
things have shifted for me in this direction of like, I just want to know him more. I want to be with him. I want to understand him more. I don't want to wait until the heavens are opened up and I'm with Jesus to know him now. And, and I don't, some of this conversation is just reminding me of that. Like, I don't want to just get by in life knowing that heaven is my goal. Like, I want to experience what it's like to get to know that right now before I spend eternity there. Chris, I, I like what you're saying about hungry for knowing the Lord. And I think, you know, as we talked about that, I believe, help my unbelief and the tension in which we live. There's, the reality of our lives is we we should long to, to be with the Lord. We we want to enter into that undiscovered country. We want to mm. to long for a future city and a future kingdom that, that will be realized in its fullness. And Scripture talks about, you know, for now I, I look in a glass darkly, but then I will see him face to face. And that ought to whet our appetite for more. Um, and yet there's a, there's a reality for each of us that we're not going to see him face fully until until we get to be with him. And uh, I appreciate the, the tension that we have to walk in. I think we see so much of that in a beautiful way in the life of Stephen because he's, he's walking through a literal trial but also a spiritual trial, and yet God's breaking in and saying, I've got you. And I think that's where our hope comes from, that ultimately we put our hope in, in, in Jesus who stands at the right hand of the Father with all power and will one day return and every knee will bow and he will make all things right. And I think that's the gospel promise that we can trust. And for us, as we wrap up the section in Acts, uh, the whole thing started with Jesus saying, you will be my witnesses and the Spirit will come and you're to, you're to go throughout the earth and tell others about my death, resurrection, and ascension and the, the hope that, that each person can have in Christ. And ultimately, that's why we started a podcast and uh, we wanted to help people wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ because that's, that's where the, the fullness of life is truly found. As we move into the Christmas season, we just want to let you know where we're heading with this podcast. We'll be releasing one more bonus episode before the end of the year, and then we'll be back with our Acts series in 2023. If you've been following along with this season, we want to hear from you. You can email us with encouragements, feedback, or questions at wideawake at redemptionokc.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you could give us a rating and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening to Wide Awake. Wide Awake is produced by Redemption Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If what we talked about today resonated, please subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with a friend. Also, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or topics that you would like for us to cover, you can email us at wideawake at redemptionokc.com. Lastly, if you're looking for more ways to wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday worship gatherings. We gather each week at 10.30 a.m. to grow as followers of Christ. You can also join us by watching online at redemptionokc.com. All are welcome. The only requirement is to come as you are. Until next time, may the light of Christ shine on you.